Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12 today. Hebrews chapter 12. It is well in a paper Bible, almost towards the end, if you want to get there. As you're going there, I want to start with this really uplifting, it's going to be an uplifting message today. Here's the question. How do I respond to discipline? I heard a couple of people go, oh. I'm not talking about like spiritual disciplines or like pumping iron. I'm talking about when you're in trouble, how do you respond to discipline? Boy, it's going to be a real fun message this morning, isn't it? When I think about this question in my own life, I remember back when I was probably eight or nine years old, and I rode my bike a lot. But the rule was, because we lived on a block, that I couldn't ride my bike around the big block unless I told my parents. And so there was this particular day that I rode around the block and did not tell my parents. And while I was riding around the block, there was a house that I had not stopped at before, but there was a bunch of people on the porch, and I thought, oh, that looks fun. So I park my bike, go up on the porch, and hang out with this group of people. Now, I must have lost track of time, because as I'm interacting there, sitting, listening, watching, uh, what I hear is two words off in the distance, and it sounded something like this, Stephen Michael! My middle name's Michael, and it was my dad. Anybody remember when you were a kid and your, one of your parents said your name and just that, just that right tone and you thought, uh-oh. And so I got back on my bike and I rode home and I had to endure some discipline. Now at the Huffman house, mom, if you're watching, I didn't ask permission. I'm assuming it's okay. We're going to go with it. Uh, at the Huffman house, one of three things happened when I got in trouble. The first is, sometimes I got grounded. I got grounded a lot. Anybody else get grounded a lot? Yeah, you deserved it. The second thing that my parents sometimes did, which sounds a little odd, but I would have to weed the rock garden. (laughs) Who has a rock garden right now? Raise your hand. Why do you have a rock garden? (laughs) That is not a garden. Nothing grows in rock gardens except weeds. And so my my parents would send me out to the rock garden to weed. I hated it. It took forever. But when the rock garden had no weeds, they would pull the third lever. They would have me empty all of the dishes in the cabinets and hand wash them. Why are you laughing? There's parents in the room going, whoa, that's really good. (laughs) I'm going to do that later. That's awesome. And it sounds sort of harsh. So when I think about this question, how do I respond to discipline, I do not like it because that's what I experienced. I, I don't run to it. Even now when I'm disciplined and my wife puts me in timeout. Just kidding, just kidding. 
But this is not like just a kid's message, right? We, we get disciplined as adults. There was a number of years I worked in downtown South Bend, and if you didn't know, there are rules about where you can park in downtown South Bend. And uh, for a season, I thought, oh, you know what? This meeting's not going to last over two hours. And it did. And I collected parking tickets. There's discipline in that. Because once you get a parking ticket, you have to pay those, and they, they end up being sort of expensive over time. Or, or if you pay a bill late, what happens? You've got to pay more. There's discipline in that. Or if you're a, a student and you don't turn homework in, many times it results, the discipline is, guess what? You've got to either go to detention or you've got more homework in front of you. Right? That, discipline. It's not fun, but it can be beneficial. Now, I have to start the message. I really feel like I need to start the message with a good definition of discipline because I think the world's got it all topsy-turvy. I think as a society, maybe we're becoming discipline-averse where we run away from it and no one can discipline us except ourselves. It's just weird. And so I really want to start with a good foundation in this message of what discipline is. This is the best definition that I've found. It says this, learning that molds character and enforces correct behavior. It comes from a Latin word meaning instruction or training. To discipline a person or a group means to put them in a state of good order so that they function in the way intended. Discipline, in spite of popular misconception, is not inherently stern or harsh. It's not inherently stern or harsh. It can get there, but that's not the root of how it is born. Now, when I read that definition, especially that last sentence, I have to acknowledge that there's probably people in the room or listening that just the concept of bringing up discipline brings you back to a time when you were disciplined so harshly that something viscerally inside of you goes, I can't even hear this message because even it, it, maybe it brushed up against abuse. But I want us today to recognize that when discipline done correctly, there's a benefit to it. Because that's where we're going to head today. I want to look in Scripture because Scripture talks about discipline a lot. It's not a fun topic to talk about. Probably you weren't expecting to come to church to hear a message about discipline, but let's go there for a minute because it's all throughout Scripture. Here's three examples. One is this, Proverbs 12.1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. It's in the Bible. <laughs> Proverbs 13.24. Whoever spares the rod hates their children but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. We're, we're living in a time right now that the world could benefit by this one verse. And I'm not advocating harsh corporal punishment. What I'm advocating is if we love our kids enough, we will discipline them because it's good for them for the rest of their life. What about this verse? This is God speaking to his followers in, in Revelation 3.19. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. See, the first two verses were about we should discipline ourselves and our kids, but the, this last verse is God saying to his followers, because I love you, I'm going to discipline you. 
That's interesting. Because I don't know that I've thought deeply enough about this. And so I want to bring us back to the question that I started with. How do I respond to discipline from God? Have you ever thought about that question? I asked a lot of people this week about this question just to see what their response was. And the questions that I got back were things like, how do I know I'm under God's discipline? How does God discipline today? How am I supposed to respond to it? How does it differ from an attack of the enemy? How do I know if I'm being attacked or whether God's trying to discipline me? There were all sorts of questions, and so I really think it's important that we spend time on this question today. It could benefit us. So we're in a series called Hello, Dad, a fresh look at our Heavenly Father. We're taking a look at all the different aspects of God the Father. And boy, isn't it enjoyable to talk about God the Father who's loving, who opens his arms with us and says, oh, I love you, and everything's about love. Yes, that's great. That's one aspect of God. But we would miss it as a group of people if we did not talk about the fact that God still disciplines us today. Not a fun topic, but I'm telling you, if we can settle into this and we could go deep into this topic, we would benefit greatly. And so I want to do that by looking at Hebrews 12, really clear scripture. Hebrews 12, I'm going to start reading in verse 7. It's just a couple of verses. It's going to be our teaching text today. Here's what it says. It says this, endure hardship is discipline. God's treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. Pause. I recognize that there are people in the room and people listening that when I read that sentence, you couldn't even get there because your dad was harsh. We're talking about God the Father here in just a minute, so I need us to get past that sentence to this next one. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined for us a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. In that text, There are a few things that I think we can really, really benefit from. But before I dig those out, let me me pray. Will you pray with me? So, Father, we thank you for who you are. Just a confession, God, that this is not an easy topic to talk about, but this is who you are. And so we want to learn, and we want to get to the point, God, where it was highlighted in Proverbs, where we love discipline. So help us open our hearts and our eyes our minds and our ears to what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. On the back of your program, number of fill-in-the-blanks that'll help us today. Here's what I see in this text today. The corrective dad, God the Father, disciplines from a loving heart. Disciplines from a loving heart. It's going to take me a while to unpack this thought. I want to do it slowly because we can learn from it when we really dig deeply into it. And so here's what I see in verse 7. It says, endure hardship as discipline. 
endure hardship as discipline. So what does discipline look like? Hardship. That stinks. Wouldn't it be better, this, is, this may just be me, wouldn't it be better if it said, endure the gentle tap on the shoulder from the Father as discipline? Wouldn't that be great? Like it, it, I can remember when my oldest son, who's 22 now, when my oldest son was, was really small and he would do something that he wasn't supposed to do when he was tiny and, and I would come and I would say, oh, Ben, don't do that. And I would take it from him and I'd get down and I'd go, you know, that'd be bad for you. And I'd give him a little pat on the butt, a little smooch. Don't do that. And then I'd send him on his way, and I'd come back later, and I would say, now, Ben, I wasn't too harsh, was I? Like, wouldn't it be great if the father looked down and did that same thing to us? But you know what? I can't do that when the boys are teenagers. How many of you have teenagers? That doesn't work, does it? Right? It has to, there's, there's a little more hardship that you have to press into. And as I think about that, I wonder how many times as God has tried to be gentle with me, one of two things happen. Either I blow past it, I'm like, whatever, God, I'll do it myself, and I've got to end up into some hardship, or now I realize I'm all grown up, and for him to get attention, he's got to do something different. And so we need to understand that in hardship comes God's discipline. So we need to figure out what it looks like in the Bible. Because we've got to discern, are we in hardship from God or not? Do you want to look at some scriptures on how God disciplines? There's only three people over here. I'm hoping there's more over here. Do you all want to look at some scripture on how? Yeah. Okay, follow their example. <clears throat> here's, what, here's what we're doing. Here's one example. I'm going to give you three. One example. Moses leading the Israelites out of captivity. He's going to a land that God promised. It's a two-month journey. They're walking two months. They send spies into this promised land. It's amazing. They're all excited, but all of a sudden, they become disobedient, and they're like, yeah, we can't take the, the land that God promised us. And God steps in, and he's a little bit angry and realizes he needs to discipline them. And so here's what he says in Numbers 14. He says, for 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explored the land. Look at this. You will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken and will surely do these things to the whole wicked community which is banded together against me. That's hardship. A two-month walk to the promised land ends up into a 40-year debacle because God said, that, that's just harsh discipline, isn't it? What about this, Jonah? Many of you know the story of Jonah. And if you don't, just a heads up, in two weeks there's a class on the book of Jonah. It's one-night class. There's about 50 people signed up already. There is room for you. We'd love to have you in that go. Just a couple of hours in two weeks, but anyway, Jonah, God comes to Jonah and says, hey, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah gives God sort of the hand and goes, nope, not interested, tries to run the other way, and look what God does. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Who sent the great wind? The Lord did. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. 
The Lord will use whatever he wants to to get our attention in the middle of discipline. Jonah ends up in the belly of a whale, not too comforting. If you've ever been in the belly of a whale, it stinks probably. Slimy, yucky, right? It's the Lord's discipline. Well, what about the New Testament? What about Jesus? Did Jesus discipline anyone? It's a good question. The first thing that came to mind, Jesus is telling his disciples that he's going to have to die. And Peter, one of the closest disciples to Jesus, feels cut to the heart and starts to tell him, you cannot, Jesus, die. No, there's no way. And look what Jesus turns around and does. In Matthew 16, Jesus turns and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. That's harsh. Peter was following him closely, and Jesus turns around and calls him Satan. If you read just the next few sentences in Scripture, it says, after six days, they went to the next town. Nothing is recorded in Scripture for six days, and I just wonder how long those six days were for Peter when Jesus called, like, can you imagine that? Jesus called me Satan. Ouch. For six days, he's thinking about that. So if we want to know what God's discipline looks like, God's discipline looks like anything that he wants it to look like. He is God. You want to put a box around what God's discipline should look like? He's going to smash your box. He's going to do whatever he can do to get your attention. In every example that I read in Scripture, not just those three, but many more, every example started earlier with that gentle nudge of the Father trying to get the people's attention to say, hey, would you please? And they blew past it. Let me give you a personal example because I think it can be helpful. January this year, uh, January 16th, around about this year, uh, things were not going uh, great in my life, meaning, and it wasn't a disaster, but I felt like I was in a season where I just could not find peace. Dealing with COVID stuff around here, around the community, I'm uh, on the board of a homeless shelter in downtown South Bend, trying to figure that thing out. Home, like schedule was absolutely bonkers and I had no peace. Like I was struggling and I wasn't seeing a lot of fruit in all the work that I was doing. Has anyone ever had a season like that? Raise your hand. Thank you for being honest, right? I, I'm like, what is going on? Something is off. And so when it gets really bad, here's what I do. I sit down in one of our rooms very quietly, and I write out my prayers to God. I, I actually type them, and I type to the best of my ability what I hear back. And so I'm going to give you this little peek into my journal on January 16th of this year when I was complaining to God. It says this. Are there, things that, are there things, Lord, that I must begin to do or stop doing? To the best of what I think I heard, I wrote this, Steve, you're always in the starts and stops. You're always in the tasks, the to-do lists. You must be. You must dwell. It's time well spent, much like this time is. You're receiving because you're listening now. You should listen before you do. That's pretty good advice, isn't it? And then I complained some more. I typed out, Lord, you created me, so why do I have a task-minded brain and desire? 
I feel like I have a productive mindset because I thought you created that in me. Steve, I created you to have a relationship with me, not to get things done. I can do things on my own without you. Do you not believe that I'm mighty enough to accomplish the things that I desire? You're helpful, Steve, but I want more than just helpful. I want a relationship. I want love. I am the Lord your God. I will have no other gods before me. I realized in that moment, still feel it today, realized in that moment that I had placed things above God. And my calendar was out of whack. My priorities were out of whack. It was as if God in that moment said, Stephen, Michael, you are around the corner where you should not be. Come home. I had an area of my life that was far from God. Which when I think about it, when we're experiencing hardship, or when I read about hardship in the Bible from God, it's a really great question to consider. It's this question. Is there an area of my life far from God? So if you're experiencing hardship, I would invite you to this question. Is there an area of my life that is far from God? The reason this question is important is because it's clarifying where the focus should be. Not every hardship is from God. Some hardships are from the enemy. Some hardships are hardships that I create, right? But if there's an area of our life that's far from God, then the problem is me. And the intent, you can write this down, the intent of God's discipline is for me to run to him like a child. That's the intent of God's discipline. It's why the text, the teaching text from today, says it this way. It says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. It's like in that area of your life, you're around the block where you should not be. Come home. Run home. Notice this. In Scripture, all of the examples that I found in Scripture of God disciplining people, I never found an area where God disciplines just because he wanted to, just because he thought that day that it would be fun. In each example that I found, it was God trying to restore a right relationship with him to his followers because he loves us as his children. Look at this, Hebrews 12, for what children are not disciplined by the father? If you're not disciplined, then you're not legitimate true sons and daughters at all. To be a true son and daughter is to rightly be in relationship and expect loving discipline from a good father. Because he loves us. So the corrective dad disciplines from a loving heart. So if we know that God disciplines us, we know ways in which he can discipline us. He gets our attention enough to start to run back to him, we better unpack how else we should respond to his discipline because it's more than just running back to him. Here's the second thing I see in the text. The corrective dad invites us into some training. Invites us into some training. Verse 
Verse seven, going back to our teaching text, says this, endure, right? We should endure the, this is not just a 30 second thing all the time, endure hardship. And then it goes on, it says, later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been, say it with me, trained by it. You didn't say it with me, I've lost you. We're gonna try that again. Say it with me, trained. Okay, I've got you now. It takes some training. Let me say this. Any discipline that we receive is an invitation to respond. Think about that. Any discipline that we receive is an invitation to respond. When I was a kid and I knew that at some point I would have to probably go weed the rock garden, my first response was, I'm going to jump on the other side of my bed and I'm going to hide in the corner. You know how many times that worked? But it's the same response that we can find in Scripture. Go back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis. Adam and Eve were told, hey, don't eat the, the fruit of this tree because it will be bad. What do they do? They eat the, tree, they eat the fruit, and then they then realize, oh, man, we're going to be in trouble. And what's their first response? They hide. They hide. God is like the master of hide and seek. Who you think you're hiding from? Like he's, he's gonna find you. If you need scripture on this, let me give you this one. Hebrews 4.13, if you're hiding something, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to who we must give account. You are not hiding things well. And when we hide things, it just makes it worse. We can run around and try to hide things from God or from other people. You will be found out. And if we hide it for too long, we move from hardship and discipline to judgment. I don't want to be there. The proper response is to recognize and engage in the discipline, which is like training. Go back to the original definition that I started with. Look at this, the definition of discipline. It molds character, enforces correct behavior. The root word is instruction and training. That's the heart of discipline is training. So if we go back to to the 16th of January, I run back to the Father. It's not just running back. I need to go through some discipline. And so I realize I need to go clean up some things. So God, what am I supposed to do? I love scripture because it's so clear. Go back to Revelation 3.19. We read it earlier. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. That's really clear. And so January 16th, I went back and I had to repent my way back to find my peace. You can write this down. Earnestly repenting helps, leads, helps lead me back to God's peace. Earnestly repenting helps lead me back to God's peace. It's just not the quick, I'm sorry. 
That's really easy. That's 30 seconds. Earnestly repenting means, I'll take you back to January 16th, I had to go to my wife and apologize and rearrange some things in my schedule. I had to change some things at the vineyard to realign my priorities. I had to repent to God, turn away from the things that I had placed above him and turn towards him. There are things in the season of January 16th that I'm still working out today. He's still teaching me. I'm still in training, but can I tell you that I have peace that I did not have on January 16th because of what the scripture says, I found it, which is exactly what the teaching text says today. If we go back to our text, it says when we do it, endure hardship later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. Too many times I, pro- I try to produce peace in my own life. Oh, I should do something else because I don't have peace, and so I'm going to add things. I'm going to try to muster up enough strength to add peace. It never works. You want peace in your life, go back to and repent your way back to it. Get in some training. The training is so worth it. So to summarize, the corrective dad disciplines from a loving heart and invites us into some training. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.